welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast for three dungeon masters. We've been doing this for way too long. Talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorne, and I'm joined by... Tony. If you want to know if something's true, who you going to call Mythbusters? That's right. We have another Mythbusters episode here this week. the bad and the ugly you're damn right it is I'm, I'm glad that you could pull that out from that ludicrous <laughs> rendition well, what is that it's funny. isn't that isn't the actual song called like the ecstasy of gold uh there's that there's the main theme one there's a whole soundtrack of set but yeah like the main theme is the whole you know <laughs> yeah which on a, a rock and roll note was both the intro music for the Ramones as well as still currently Metallica. Really? They would mm. both come out to uh, to that, uh, the main theme, in essence, of Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah. Well, they're certainly covering the bad and the ugly. Yeah. And then yeah. the Ramones would always follow it up with their uh, instrumental Durango 95. Uh, and then, I don't know, Metallica does whatever the hell they want to do <laughs> as their first song. You know, that probably changes over time. Now, this musical interlude leads us into our topic today and the, the newest edition of RPG Mythbusters. We are questioning the new notion that alignment doesn't matter. This is all over the place. People are, you know, people love saying alignment doesn't matter. Is that true? That's the topic we'll be investigating today on Three Wise DMs. Now, uh, I think we have some disagreement on this topic because I actually like the D&D alignment system. What about you guys? Talking like the nine, talking the typical nine square, three by three, lawful, neutral, uh, chaotic, good, neutral, evil, nine, uh, the nine box alignment system in Dungeons and Dragons. Nine rings. I dig it. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, this is a topic that's had uh, more, nothing's had more fierce debate, arguments, uh, nasty posts than this, honestly. More funny memes. This, this is uh, some truly some good stuff. Uh, back in the day, they played a very hard line on alignment. So I can understand why there's some people that really their eyebrow goes up about this, particularly some players who've been around for a little bit. For, like, for example, in first and second edition, if you were to deviate from your alignment sharply, you could lose a level of experience. That absolutely was a thing. Um, so I, and personally, I couldn't really wrap my head around that because I'm like, okay, so if the knight who was kind of good becomes neutral evil, he's no longer as good as his swordsman. Hmm. Not sure about that, but they were trying to keep everybody on script. So mm. I think there's good and bad points here, Dave. I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I also uh, like the alignment system uh, for several reasons. Um, I'm not, uh, as Tony, you were just saying with the earlier editions where there were some hard lines. I I think that that disincentivizes it. Uh, so I'm not as hard with that. But for me, with as with a lot of things in a D&D especially, is there anything 
even up to the D20, that says D&D more than alignment. They, like, Gygax literally created this whole idea that now is 50 years old, right? That is so fucking D&D. Like, there's, I don't think there's anything more D&D than alignment. Like, right? Like, it's so in the city. Well it's so, it's, it's such a part of the history that I just cannot, and I will not uh, give it up entirely. And I, I think very hard with my characters as to what is my alignment when I'm, when I'm creating them, you know? <laughs> Did he create it? He had to pull this from somewhere, right? Well, he pulled it, yeah, from different like sources, and it's it's really cool. Like, um, I think uh, DM David, as well as Matt Colville, do some really awesome delves um, into the history of D and D, and they'll go back, back through all of the old uh, the old editions, and the the evolution of it definitely. Um, definitely changed over time but yeah like Gygax pulled it from something uh like either a book series or or something like that uh and it originally started as just the three it was literally between law and uh, law and chaos yeah. um and then they started to add in the other ones that created the nine box but yeah well to be fair the the law chaos was a that was a popular fantasy mm -hmm. fiction idea from that, like the late seventies, early eighties. There's a really good Rogers Elasny had a series called the nine princes in Amber, which is a very good kind of pulp fantasy novel that is really based on the, you know, you have, you have Amber is the central reality and that is the, the most lawful reality. And then the further you get from Amber, as far as like, it's, it's about basically uh, alternate realities, alternate dimensions. And the further you mm -hmm. get from Am Amber, the more chaotic things get till you get to the, ultimate chaos dimensions which are basically presented as good and evil in a way but it's really law and chaos so it was kind of common in that late 70s early 80s to do law and chaos as a fundamentally good and evil idea you know and i think that kind of goes back to a lot of western philosophy out of even the like the uh, out of like even like the 19th century the idea that the more civilized and more lawful things are the more good they are i don't think we broadly hold this anymore but i think that's kind of where that that sort of comes out of yeah, I, I agree, yeah. Uh, fast Google search reveals it looks like D&D &D really, yeah, as Dave said, the nine box system uh, created that in first and second, uh, definitely in first. So other systems may have used the good, neutral, evil alignments, but I think the real problems come out of this, not because that people are being, the characters have been categorized um by where they stand on their moral principles. Like, are you a good guy or a bad person? It's that, and I made this joke last night in one of our games, you get me 10 gaming gurus, put them all in a room, hand them all a slice of paper and be like, everyone write down for me what you think in your own words, how a neutral, a lawful neutral character behaves. And you're going to get 10 completely different answers. And yeah. this is where this shit really hits the fan on this argument. And we can't even agree, honestly, on what a lawful good character is, which you'd think is the most easily defined. But in my campaign I was running, my lawful good NPC was constantly looking at the lawful good barbarian and the lawful good warlock and going, oh, my God, these guys are so square. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dorks, let's get some treasure. <laughs> yeah, like 
Pull it, get rid of your pocket protector, take the tape off your glasses, and let's open this tomb. We just killed the mummy. It's Dungeons and Dragons. This is what we're here for. Well, I mean, you're you're a lawful good character, saw no problem with grave robbing, and their lawful good characters did see a problem with grave robbing. After a mummy had you in a in a three uh, thirty second stranglehold and tried to give you rock grubs? No, I really didn't. We're taking their loot. You know, and this really does hit on, I think, one of the problems with alignment, but I don't think it's a problem with the system. It's a problem of the interpretation. Mm. Alignment has to come from that character's point of view. And one of the problems we run into, and actually, Tony, we run into this in our games a lot, is the players will have sort of a cultural understanding of what alignment is that can be limiting for how you define your character. Right. So this happens all the time. People look at the system not as a grid, but as a line with lawful good at the far good side of the line and every other alignment being less and less good. So you get to chaotic evil at the most evil of the line as if these things are just one spectrum. And that's not the way they're meant to be. Lawful good is not more good than neutral good, nor is it more good than chaotic good necessarily. Characters can be, but as an alignment, they all care about goodness. So it doesn't make lawful good more good. It's a different it's a different access on on the box um and i think sometimes you know when we try to say okay is would a lawful good character take these goods from this ancient tomb no he's going to see it as grave robbing yes he's going to see that as, as his rightful spoils here's the deal that really doesn't have to do with alignment that has to do with how his culture defines that as a crime or a rightful spoil mm. like it's 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 all alignment must be relative to the character's culture and understanding it can't be relative to a universal my world does this because they're really referencing how that character inter how that character feels about a set of rules they believe in you know does that make sense it does i mean as i, I uh pointed out and in, in, uh, as we're in the intro to this before we started recording uh last night you could be, i read an article in a dragon magazine back in the day about a knight who was extremely full of himself and looked down on people and was rude and was by definition completely lawful good in the second edition player's handbook. Like literally you, every night in the, every night in the round table, literally every single one of them. That's how a medieval knight was expected to act. I, you could be a lawful good merchant and take advantage of a gullible buyer. And that's perfectly right. You're going to sell this for three gold pieces. He's like, Oh yeah, here's eight. You don't have to stop them. You're not morally obligated, but let me spend well, this. If you're good, you might be. Because if you're good, you do believe you're morally obligated. You, you that's the question. Might be. I think that's really how you're playing your character. You threw in culture there. I think this is really um, how that character kind of lands. But I want to put this back to you. If you look at like neutral evil, lawful evil, and chaotic evil, for me, lawful evil just means this is your organized evil. This is the mafia boss villain. And these two guys are just evil. And really, you're not better off being hanging out with a neutral evil guy than you are a chaotic evil one, because they both suck. I'd actually argue that lawful evil is the most dangerous evil, because they're the ones who can get the most shit, most shit done. But that's the reason Asmodeus is a lawful evil character, because yeah. it's not... This is where I think a lot of it breaks down, and I, I think it's, it's better to inform the world rather than dictate the world, right? And I think it's just a different way of saying the same thing, because... You have you have the two vortices, which are law to chaos, right? So you either believe in law and order and some level of what we consider civilization, or you do not, which is why elves are generally a chaotic, uh, you know, uh, species or race or whatever, right? Because of the natural world. Then you have good to evil 
do your actions think of others and of your fellow person, or do they think mainly about your self-centeredness? And then the, the, the iterations of that, where this idea of true neutrality, where you're kind of in between all of them. All three of us, if we were statted out, as everyone does on, online these days, stat me out, um, we would all be lawful good characters. We are all lawful good Speak characters. Speak for yourself, Dave. Yeah, I, no, don't, think, because, I don't agree. I'm, I'm, I'm chaotic no, good at best. <laughs> no, because that's the thing, because we all stop at red lights. We all obey speed limits. We all cut our grass. We all show up to work. And while these things are are serve us in a way, what they do is they create a level of law and lawfulness, like a rule of law that we abide by. And Thorne, to your point, the culture has created this, what we consider lawful, but we follow that. Where chaotic is, I literally do whatever I want, depending on my mood. I, I actually, I'm going to, I disagree. I get where you're coming from. In in general, the fact that we have a society of laws we live in, right. it, it certainly does protect us all. We all have some of them we follow, some for different reasons. I disagree on that application of alignment, and here's why. Alignment isn't as useful for defining settings or races or cultures. It is most useful for defining how the character feels about those things. I think that's what you're really getting at. So a lawful character, and now I'm also going to I'm going to make this a little more complicated because the truth is all these alignment boxes have two ways, at least minimum two ways to interpret them. So take lawfulness, right? A lawful character doesn't follow the rules because they have to follow the rules. They don't follow the rules because it's easier to follow the rules. A lawful character is the kind of person who believes it's fundamentally better. They are obligated yeah. to follow the rules as yes. a person. They are yes. the, this is the kind of person who wants to follow the rules and they will be angry at you for not following the rules. Like there's a lot of like um, I've heard story people going to Germany and I've heard stories about how in Germany, uh, like they jaywalked, they crossed a street that was and they didn't cross the intersection. They've had a random passerby stop them and berate them because they didn't respect the rules because that yeah. disrespects all of us. That person berating them is a lawful person. You know, the, the idea that you need to respect the rules because that is respecting all of us. And that is that is an important thing to me. You know, I'm, I'm trying to avoid saying the word good, but to a lawful person. Yeah, either, no, good and lawful is different. Yeah. They're different things. Yeah. But 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 to a lawful person, respecting the laws is fundamentally important, not just yes. because you have to or want to or it's beneficial, but because it is important because we all live in together in this society. We all agree to respect these laws. And if you don't respect these laws, you are disrespecting all of us. Well, I'm I actually also real quick. It adds to when you go into things like lawful neutral, because that can also just be your own set of the ways in which this is the code or right. the belief structure that I abide by. So it, it still can be very singular. It can be. And I'm going to and I'll throw another level on this, too, because lawful doesn't necessarily mean respecting the laws of the land. You can have a gang member who believes very much in the code of the gang and the code of criminals. Yes. And you can, yes. and that plus, and they're doing it not because of the laws of the land, but because they want to be accepted by this group. Yes. So a lawful person following the rules out of respect or following the group rules out of being accepted in the group and respecting what the group's about, that's important to a lawful person. To a chaotic person, the opposite is true. They specifically, not to, to a neutral person, they don't care. They're going to follow those rules or not follow those rules, depending on, on what's beneficial to them or depending on some other reason to fit in. To a neutral person, they don't fundamentally care that, it's, that, that it respects society, but they'll follow it. They don't mind following it for whatever reason. To a chaotic person, 
following those things is uncomfortable. They feel pushed around when they need to conform to a group or when they need to follow the laws. And they still might do it when it's for, for, for other logical reasons. But fundamentally inside, a chaotic person is uncomfortable with that. They feel like they're being pushed in a box. That's the difference between law and chaos. And that's actually why I would argue, like, I, I, I probably... I, I, I've certainly been called, I've certainly been said I've had a problem with authority. <laughs> I'm certainly someone who will put things that don't make sense to me, which is why I, can, I can't really say I'm lawful because anyone who's worked with me knows I do what it takes to get the job done, not necessarily the way it was, the, the way that, you know, I don't necessarily follow the rules to follow the rules. I, but that's I, the I, I follow the most effective rules. Is these, are not, these are not on off switches. These are mm -hmm. infinite dimmers. Right? They're dimmers. Of, you are lawful. Depending on the situation and what we're talking about, but that well, is a not depending on the situation. Actually, no. So what I'm trying to get at is if you want to understand your character better, and what I, what I, what I should say here is, I like the nine box alignment because if you understand how your character feels about lawfulness and chaos and good and bad, you understand your character much better. You understand this character, any yeah. character, whether you're writing a character or playing a character, if you understand this about them, is it fundamentally important to my character to be respectful of the civilization they're in, respectful of the laws? Is my character going to be annoyed by someone who doesn't follow them? Or is my character annoyed they have to follow them, and they're actually going to be annoyed by people who do follow the laws because they're goody two-shoes? That is really important to who that character is. The DM shit doesn't have to enforce it. It's got nothing to do with what the DM tells you to do, but if you want to understand your character, understand does your character, is your character more comfortable following the laws, being part of the group, being in a harmonious social situation where they try to make it more harmonious? Is that where they're comfortable? Or are they uncomfortable in the harmony and they're more uncomfortable where they're doing whatever they want and don't need to answer to anybody and they can piss people off and not care? That's mm -hmm. chaotic. Those are the those are what those box really to me represent. And if you understand that about your character, or they don't give a shit and they're neutral, set aside D and D's true neutral thing. <laughs> set aside the balance thing. That's the that's like kind of like a an add on to true neutral. But if you don't care, if you're just going to do it whatever's best for you, if you're only going to follow the laws if you might get caught, or you're only going to follow the laws because it's most efficient to follow the laws, then you're neutral. Like, but that's how those things should fit together. And we lose sight of that because we get so caught up in these other ideas of what they mean. How did you say that without taking a breath? I'm floored. Like, did you sneak some oxygen <laughs> off camera somewhere? Um, I'm technically chaotic loquacious. Is I'm, my, I'm impressed. I mean, seriously. Um, but uh, I think we get in trouble as DMs when we try to, we are required to enforce alignments. There are some times where, and I have been at games where someone said, you're committing a chaotic action and your character is lawful. And the, the DMs are the business end of the stink guy. Now, when you're a DM2 and you're, you're putting together all sorts of NPCs, I think this mm. is useful because you don't have time to give each one of these villains, townskeepers, mayors, knights, an inkblot test and be like, Where do, how do you feel? So how do you feel about red lights? How do you feel about taxes? These things, I don't – I certainly fundamentally agree with whether someone follows the law or not has nothing to do with their actual alignment. Because they are could be in a threat of punishment. I don't like yes. red lights. I don't like stop signs. But you know what? I also don't want to get. I live. You know, we're in Philly. They'll give you a freaking hundred eighty dollar ticket. Like you know, you're changing your socks. So you know what? I'm gonna make sure I'm at a full stop, even if there's no cars around for four hundred yards, because <laughs> I'm not dealing with that. Well, and it's the thing is, it's it doesn't really have to do with. It's not actually about what you do. It's about why the character did it. In, yeah. in, which is why it's totally inside the player. 
final thought on this, uh, also with Chaotic Good, there's a large range in each one of these boxes, and people need to take that in consideration. I could be a Chaotic Good guy who, you know, doesn't file his taxes. Uh, maybe he's like six weeks late on that and doesn't give a shit about that. Or I'm Dirty Harry, and I'm like, you know what? The cops can't get it done, and I'm going to gun these guys, <laughs> mobsters down, and I'm, I'm, I'm working outside the law. But is that – I would actually argue – I don't know that I would call him chaotic good because no. he's more about justice than good and evil. We haven't even talked about that Let's talk about that in a second. So. Neutral or lawful. I, real quick, I just wanted to back up on something Tony said because I thought it was very, very important. And it goes back to my earliest uh, point when we started. I think uh, alignment is very helpful, as we are starting to discuss here, to inform – in character develop in developing a character in deciding okay i'm in this fantasy world how do i act it's one more set that let helps you to get into that character where i think it can run uh where it runs bad is when tony you just said when the dm is using it as a punitive instrument when it's punishing for that uh you're not running your alignment or something like that now with that said, I think it still needs to be understood that there are certain mechanics within D&D dealing with goodness versus evil, because that's really the the one that changes a lot of the well, things. Well, not, not so much of 5e anymore. No, but there are very specific spells and things. You know, for instance, in the Strahd campaign, I will give an example here. Uh, both are the cleric and Sir Scar the paladin have spells that can create protection from good and evil. Uh, you know, uh, destroy good and evil, whatever. That has to do very much with what is the alignment of this humanoid or this creature or whatever. Um, Scar has, yeah, Scar has done it before, protection from good and evil, so that uh, anything that is trying to get in that is evil has disadvantage on attacks, has, uh, you know, uh, whatever it might be. Um, I, had that. I thought that that was tied to, no, actually, no. Protection from good and evil in fifth edition does not rely on the alignment. Protection from good and evil uh, protects you against certain types of creatures, aberrations, celestials, elementals, fey, fiends, and undead, regardless of their alignment. Oh, okay. Which is could be and now the reason I bring this up is because I, I had this represented this. by this title. They specifically changed this in fifth edition. Fifth edition has nothing that works off of pure alignment anymore. Everything focuses on race or type now. Which, to be honest with you, I think is weird, because I kind of I don't see why you couldn't use protection from good and evil to protect you from good and evil alignment. But they have actually removed that from almost all true effects okay. in five A. Okay, so that's a good thing to know. Um, <laughs> and I actually do remember that that being written like that. But as Tony just said, the title of it. Changed. Yeah, the, the title goes the other now, way. Okay, my second point to this, which I think is actually still the case, but again, they are not as hard line about it is in Strahd, there are multiple times where your character can become evil uh, by no choice of it, it, it. They have made no real, well, sometimes they make a choice, but um, at that point, you know, the DM can then take the, the player character over or something. And for me, where I've done it is again, not a punitive instrument, but a way in which to increase role play or increase character development that if a character, which has almost happened several times, goes into a quote, evil alignment, 
that will possibly change and inform some of the role play and some of the decision making going forward. But again, not as a punitive instrument. So Hold on. Uh, the, the players already become evil that we missed. No, no, but it was almost. It was almost. So uh, <laughs> I don't want to give away some spoilers of what we're uh, what we're currently uh, going New through. World instance, order. If, you, uh, if you were cursed with lycanthropy and became a werewolf, you would be pushed towards in you know in terms of the way the book puts it out as yeah. an evil character now. You know that would be under the control of the DM. So. You know, we talked about what makes lawful versus chaotic. I don't know if we totally agree, but I mean, I, I, I laid out the way I see it. You know, it's not so much, it's it's not your actions, it's internal. And in some ways I find it easier to define lawful versus chaotic because I think we could all identify with, okay, you feel it's important to follow these laws or you don't feel it's important to follow these laws. You can feel pushed around, right? Good versus evil is much harder to identify well, because while it sounds simpler, like for instance, I'll give you an example. Mark Rosewater, Magic the Gathering once said that black the black spells and magic aren't evil they're just greedy so like if you drain if you kill something to raise something else that's not evil that's greedy in a world where you feel that way about good and evil there's almost no evil because evil is almost always a a a, a coefficient like it's, it's almost always based in what is good for you versus other people personally i think he's wrong i think he just described greed at the expense of someone else is i think fundamentally evil so for me good would be the idea that you have a moral code you feel this is right and wrong and you follow that, even when it's to your sometimes to your detriment, or you, that is more important to you than your own selfish interest. Whereas evil puts its own selfish interest first, and if they're very malicious, those interests may simply be, hey, I want to torture something, and that is kind of the most, you know, kill something for your own amusement is kind of very evil. That's how I kind of see them. I mean, what do you guys think? What's the difference there between good and evil in a D and D alignment or an RPG alignment setting? I think that's a very good point. I was actually I was jotting down some notes leading into this. Because we go, of course, we can understand the difference between good and evil. Well, let me throw out an example where it's a little gray. Mm. So we're traveling down the road, and a bunch of mercenaries come out, and we we engage in combat, and we kill them. Well, guess what? D&D, that's perfectly fine. We're minding our business. They're like, ah, we want 20 gold pieces. And we're like, screw you, dude. And we roll them. We hit them with fireballs and lightning bolts. It was the worst decision they ever made. Now they're dead. Other gaming systems, like we play in the Marvel gaming system, that they're like the, the you know that's a big problem. You like we should have beat them up, we should have taken them, you know, uh, alive. We could have subdued them. Of course, that there's different contexts. You know, we're playing in you know 20, 21st century world versus we're out in the wilderness and we get an encounter like this where people are, are trying to threaten us and take our lives. But it's not as cleanly defined what do you think this i think that the the alignment system is uh for me generally a little more help because i think law versus chaos has a lot of gradation where the good versus evil is where you start to see in this fantasy setting as thorin said gets pulled from the kind of these tropes of of pulp fantasy and sword and sorcery and stuff but this idea of this titanic battle between good and evil forces in the in the universe that is much more becomes a slightly either or for the world but what i would say and i think this kind of is a good example of it where we talk about law and verse chaos and then good versus evil we were just talking about how the lawful character does these things because they believe they are the right thing to do and not because the society has said so. Now, the society has said so, but now the society has changed. So a character like K 
Captain America, Steve Rogers, is a lawful good character, especially when he is nomad, right? When he is going towards the promise of what America was supposed to be, right? And all this, he's always good, but he doesn't become a chaotic good character in my mind when he's nomad. He becomes the most ultimate example of a lawful good Captain America. Do you understand what I'm saying? Though, because he's he's going after the idea of so what the stars and who is so, so who is nomad as Captain America? Nomad is in essence when Cap loses the shield, and so in the in the MCU when he gets he loses the shield, uh, civil war happens, he goes away. When he comes back as just like Steve Rogers with a beard, that's kind of like their iteration in my mind of Nomad. But okay. Nomad was when Cap like kind of had to say, what you're doing as my country is wrong. I still believe in the rule of law, but the ways in which you are, you know, it's like uh, D Dr. King, you know, like an unjust law is not a law, you know, but that doesn't make you chaotic necessarily. You're still lawful. No. But in a in a macro way, right? Well, you know what's it, that's a great point to bring up because it is where the alignment, the kind of the nine box alignment system gets stretched. And I think what you have there is now he he is prioritizing his you know goodness over his lawfulness there. Yeah, he's saying yeah, your yeah. law, like the laws are unjust there, and to me it is more important that they be good and right. Yes, by my opinion. Then that they, the then promise of America is in its goodness, right. not in its lawfulness, but they are intertwined. So, right? so, to, so to me, Sonic, you could argue he maybe slid a little more neutral. You could. I would tend to say he stayed lawful good, but he maybe decided that the good, he's choosing the good side of that over the lawful side of that. And I would say as a, as a DM DMing this stuff, one of the ways that alignment has run into problems in the past is a DM would tend to look at that and say, ah, 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 you're lawful good. You broke your alignment because you didn't keep following the law. Right. And that is a misapplication of alignment because the important part to me here is that the character fundamentally internally remained consistent. The character right. had a character reason for making this choice. And that to me keeps him in alignment. Like you say, it's like at this point it becomes immaterial. Do you, do you determine that he just slid became neutral good instead of lawful good? You could play with that if you're talking about a 2E Paladin and you specifically want to put him in a bind, uh, which we haven't gotten into yet, but Paladins used to have yeah, that yeah. tight alignment. Um, yeah. <laughs> but to me, it's like, if you have a character asking those, if you have a character, if you have a player who cares so much about a character's alignment that they are asking those questions, that they're at least stopping and say, okay, well, I really believe in the law, but the goodness is more important and I'm going to make this choice. This is the ideal. This is the invested. This is the invested player. This is yes. gold, right? Exactly. You don't need to punish around this. You don't need to guide around this. Um, what I did with Tony's character actually. So Tony had a character named Erasmus. Or we've talked about it, the giant. Tony could have used that wish instead of becoming a half giant to go rescue one of their allies who had been imprisoned in the donjon by the donjon card. Now Tony, after discussion with the group decided Erasmus was going to forget about that guy and go his own way. That was not necessarily in keeping with Erasmus's lawful good alignment, but at the same time, I'm not going to force him to do something, especially because, like, yeah, that player was annoyed enough where he was going to drop out of, he was thinking about dropping out of the game. All I did was I asked Tony to tell me from Erasmus's point of view why he's doing this. And that's all I want. 
I just want the character, I just want the player to be able to tell me from this character's point of view why they why they're making that decision. And so long as you can do that, what was your what was your response tone to that to this very specific in character why how explain to me right like it's like I'm thinking of it like if you want to make a persuasion check you don't need to talk to me in character I mean I love it but you don't need to do that. But tell me how you're persuading. So yeah. allow, allow me to explain this debacle to you. Uh, I'll put my other notes on hold here. So here's the thing. These guys ran across this deck of many things, and they're like a bunch of teenagers who just took a, uh, in too much sugar, energy drinks, and started drinking beer. And I'm like, don't. this is really some dangerous shit, guys. And I mean it, seriously. They're like, ooh, I want to draw five cards and see what happens. We'll, we'll link to the episode where we went into this in depth. We have talked about this episode in depth before. So all yeah. these guys start pulling all this crazy shit, and all this great stuff happening starts happening. One one character goes up four levels, and I give him the side eye. I'm like, what? I got like I got like 9,000 XP, and you just picked up 50. That's cool. I'm, I'm not going to like stab you in the parking lot. Um, and then... Uh, you know, like somebody else got like a plus three weapon. Someone became a lord. All this crazy, crazy shit. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to only draw in, in case one of you guys screws the pooch. And I need to be your anchor to come up with something to fix this. And the s- person before me, who was the rogue, pulled the freaking void card and gets his soul taken to <laughs> away. And I'm like, well, Nice work, guys. Thanks. This is this is the best. So um, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to pull three cards, and I'm going to try to fix this catastrophe. And I pulled Wishes. And I'm like, there it is. It's Fate. And I got two Wishes. And um, I'm like, okay, I would like to wish that Orion's soul is returned. And he's like, actually, in the cut and dry text, it tells you to go fuck yourself. You can't do that. And I'm like, what? It's a wish. What do you mean I can't wish? And I'm like, no, this is 5e, and we've really scaled back what wishes can do. It's you can't make anyone fall in love with you. You can't raise the dead. Actually, you can't do that. And you can't bring your friends back from deck cards. To, to, and I'm to, like, to clarify, 2e's, I believe 2e's Void also said you can't get him back with a wish, but we just tended to play it a lot looser, and I was playing this one by the book. I think that's yeah. That that was very loose and fast. We used to play those, but the point stands. I couldn't get back. And Thor's like, "Well, you can get a clue if you wish for it." And I'm like, "Someone can find out beep, where he was. Someone could beep 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 someone's mom. I'm gonna use a wish for a freaking clue. Like, <laughs> find out what? where he was. A wish would tell you where he was to go Eighth try to get to hell. Okay. So the first time. wish you weren't gonna use for that. What about the other two? He had I one of them. He had two total. I had two. Two total. Okay. And uh, I used one to turn into a storm giant. So, and I sat on that other witch to this day. I thought you used it to gain a level, no? No, no, I'm still holding it. Oh, Does she still have a wish? for the game. So, the rest um, has a fucking wish left. <laughs> so you, you're, so in essence, you're, and then, and then Thorin, you then said, well, explain to me why you're choosing this. So he had fulfilled his, I'm going to try to, you know, anchor my party because they're being a bunch of idiots with a deck of many things at fifth level. Um, I don't, so Tony, what, what was your character that, rationale? But he couldn't have gotten it, right? So, so Tony, what was what was Erasmus's character rationale for not wishing to find out where he was? 
Me finding out he's on the eighth plane of hell when we're a bunch of fifth-level jackalopes is about as helpful as a submarine, submarine with a screen door, okay? Like, so, cool, in, like, 12 levels, we are going to go down there and kick the doors in, and we are going to rescue the shit out of your character you don't care about like, anymore. We Isn't didn't really great? care about Steve that much to begin for, with. For, I mean, for, the record, for the record, Erasmus, in the game, next game of Woodstock Wanderers, is about to find out what happened to our Orion. Oh. Life is very mysterious how they come full circle like <laughs> that. Really, so, we're so, really us. Yeah, so, so to, to fill in to fill in some blanks that Tony's uh, that 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 Tony might not remember here. Um, so they went back to Tony's uh, boss and sort of his mentor was the Archmage of the Kingdom. And he, this guy's like literally like an 18th. He's already he's like an 18th level magic user. Tony, uh, one of the things Rasmus had said, what he came up with was, I don't see why we can't just ask them to find Orion and and save the wish. So that was part of it. Uh, the other part of it was there was a there was a there was a kind of a party politic thing going on with I don't know that how exa- how excited they were to go get him back. And so the party as a whole didn't really seem to want to follow that quest line. So that was the other side of it. And then the game broke up one game later. So, uh, yeah, the, the party that pulled that, that where one character decided to pull six deck of many things cards pretty much did not want to play after having pulled six deck of many things cards. So they take that for what it is. I don't, <laughs> well, feel, like I was, know, I don't feel like I was the asshole in that situation. One person has a pit fiend stalking them. My boss was going to murder my one buddy. I'm that like, was the other thing that, that, that Archmage Orion had, uh, the, the one character had picked up the enmity card and that was where I had put the enmity before they had to go ask him to get Orion back. Oh man. Yeah. The was 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 shit there. That was such a frustrating situation because to me, the deck of many things worked fantastically well. One character did pick up four levels, but he was a bard. So I'm like, all right, he's going to get better at helping the rest of the party. No big deal. Oh, we get the animate object spell. He gets to attack people with books when they're in a room. Fine. You know, I like, I didn't care, but the players didn't like that. The one guy had gained like four levels. I loved all these plot lines that were introduced. Like you had to go get Orion back. Your master was now pissed off at your one comrade. who was plotting your destruction. Like they had picked up some other thing. Like two people got castles to go check out and actually had adventures in the castle. So I'm like, yes, but the party, the players did not want to play through the, uh, the plot lines created by their encounter with the deck of many things. Plus it goes back to some of our, some of our earlier points that, you know, a lot of these great ideas that we talk about, it's very much going to depend on who you're playing with, because some groups would eat that stuff up like that's true. Yeah, like their favorite dinner, and other groups, like you said, they just break up because of it. And it's like, okay, so you continue on, you know. I come so, back to this one facet surrounding this. If yeah. we were in a situation where we're playing every week or every other week, I think this would have been okay. Mm. But because we're playing with such gaps and like so like i can't speak how the players were thinking i'm like i'm sitting back and i'm like i have nine thousand experience points i have crawled on my hands and knees through barbed wire fighting goblins and kobolds and orcs in these endless life and death half the party's down encounters and this dude just picked up five more than five times my experience points Beep! Like, oh my god! So now, and, and I'm the one who has a reputation for being a bad sport. What? <laughs> so while this is this is a little this is a little off topic, but I, I wanted to just get this uh, this answer because I think it might play with it because we were talking about how alignment changed a lot between 
uh, one and two E, and then now in five E, right? Where there, it's there because historically it's part of what it is, right? There's, sure. there's like I said, there's nothing more D and D than alignment, but they don't play as we saw with protection from evil and good. You know, it's not specifically based on alignment. So with the deck of many things, with the card that that bumps you 50,000 50, XP, so at that level is four or five levels, right? In 2E, because of the difference in leveling between different classes and all of that, as opposed to 5E, where we've talked about it's way more, like balance is baked into the system. It's already, the foundations of it are balanced, so you don't have to concern yourself so much with it. Is that where that plays more, Tony, for you? Because now a ninth level character in 5e is wildly more powerful than a fifth level character, where in 2e, a ninth level character could be wildly more powerful or not as much. You just got a little better at picking locks, let's say. Or something. I don't know. I would say, and I would say the power jump from sec from fifth to ninth and two E was bigger than in five E. Yeah, so. I think. I think you could make a case for that. That's fair. That person would pick up a lot of hit points. Thacko, there's things. I mean, I yeah, because Fighter Thacko went one per level, whereas now it's everyone gets the the, the just your uh your, your proficiency bump. So right. why the why the difference then between because this is this group that you are playing with were not newbies to D and D these are people who have been playing for decades and they knew exactly what the fuck a deck of many things well, was they were more right? familiar with the older version part of this was this okay. was a get to know fifth edition game and they had certain ways they played deck in house that like I said even maybe uh, not the book of the deck. Right, so uh, the house rules again. So, like so it's a little bit of, uh, you know, rather than taking the game as it came, uh, kind of assuming it was like the game they used to play. was a little okay. bit out of play, I think. Okay. I mean, I have to tell you, when this deck showed up, my gut reaction was, and we are way off topic, but that happens, is I like my character. I don't want to screw this up. That was exactly my number one thought. But, but going circling all the way back, you know, like the like the, the defense of the drum punch here, uh, I am super glad the uh, paladin is no longer required to be lawful good because that was a thing. And that was basically were being lawful obnoxious. And you, you <laughs> were either running around and pissing your players off or the DM was riding your ass trying to make you piss the players off. Like it was a really rough synthesis. I agree with experience? that, though, because as people have said, the paladin, the idea, if you have this this huge pantheon of different divine entities, they all have their own ideas about the cosmos. So if I'm a holy warrior for them, like, you know, there's, there's I, 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 I like the idea that you could be a paladin for a, you know, uh, some sort of infernal being. I think it that's all, awesome character -wise. It only makes sense. So, yeah. I, I uh, DM'd a character who played a paladin of Thor, and Thor's a chaotic good god, and yeah. for the time, that was like, people were like, what? You? Thor is a broken man. He does not have the best interest always at heart, you know? Thor, <laughs> so, yeah. Thor, in the mythology, that dude, if you're like, hey, can you, um, get me a beer out of the fridge. I'm like, oh, someone drank the last beer, bro. He might flip out and kill you even if you fucking drink the beer. He's kind of a horrible issues. individual. I don't know why well, he was a person. Thor and Hercules are very similar characters. You know, they're both fundamentally kind of good. They're both immensely strong and they both, you know, go off the handle and do stupid shit. Yeah, yeah. Which involves murdering people, but, um... Well, you know, like, oh, murdered. sorry about that, guys. Here's a goat leg. 
Yeah, that's true. Both of those characters would fly off the handle and people would die. And he'd calm down later and be like, oh. You know, sorry, sorry, bro. Here's the thing about alignment in fifth versus older editions that I'm not super happy about. But it does kind of, I can understand why they did it. And I've seen it create problems before. I like the idea that the paladin has to follow at least the alignment of his deity. And you could also argue the paladin would always be lawful good. As, from another point of view, because they need to follow the tenets of their deity. So they need that fundamental, like if you're thinking about lawful as, you know, following, feeling it's important to follow the rules, I could understand paladins being lawful good for that reason, but I think they need to enforce the alignment of their deity. I'd like to add to that, Thor, because I think that's a good point. Um, and I, I don't think Bivy is doing this to my knowledge, uh, but I'm going to tie it into that because in the Pathfinder system, you'll find this, with clerics and and paladins and anyone else who follows a god, but those characters are obviously getting divine spells. They would always have that you had to be within one jump of the mm-hmm. alignment of the deity, uh, which I like because it, the, the character could play with that. What I would say in 5e, where I agree with that, it, that they would have to follow the alignment, but even more so, I think they would have to follow their oath path. Because if you are taking the oath of of devotion, right, that's going to play a whole lot differently than the oath of vengeance. You know, a lawful good character could have the oath of vengeance, sure, but, you know, vengeance is obviously taking precedence over the alignment in that way. You know, so I think that can sometimes play with it, too. So I think that Mm -hmm. paladins currently should be playing, they should be loyal to the oath that they took, because that's, in essence, when they receive their... Because as Tony said, they're still just as skilled swords people or, or uh, archers or whatever they do, right? Well, it's but, the magic, though. It's the divine their magic ability that, to yeah. smite things, their ability to call down, you know, divine fire, that is part of their oath. And so I think their oath has to be played soon. And there is a an optional rule in there that tells you, like, you can, you know, if a paladin's not following their oath, you can take their powers away or maybe give them the Oathbreaker Paladin template from the DMG, yeah. which some people are kind of like, fuck this, I want to be the Oathbreaker. That's pretty cool. He does have a pretty sweet well, But you I, have to break an oath first, guys. I, 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 I can just be Deadpool, you mean? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah right, I'll right? do that. Oh, playing Deadpool as an Oathbreaker Paladin does sound, that just sounds very cool. <laughs> um, you know, it, it comes down to how much you want to tie your flavor into your mechanics. And one of the problems I have with 5e a little bit is that I've seen players who interpret in 4e that started. We talked about my one buddy who dropped out of the game for for because his character died, but we also had stress over the idea that he wanted to be an infernal warlock. And I was like, great, here's your deal with the devil. Uh-oh. He's like, what? No, just 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 keep 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 your world building role playing shit out of my way. I just want to play with these cards. And you do have a certain strain of that in in RPG in 4E and 5E players where if you leverage that kind of thing. Like so if you're like, look, you didn't follow your oath, you're losing your powers, a lot of times the public reaction to that from players is fuck you, you're a bad DM. When it's technically still in the rules, but it makes it harder to play with these mechanics because a lot of players don't see that as an essential part of the character and get, and they don't enjoy it, which, yeah, you want to play with players who want to play the game you want to play. You want to encourage everyone to have fun. I do feel like if you're using divine smites, you should be in good standing with your God. 
You know, I feel like Claire well, should be in good standing. I, I like the uh, you had just shared on our uh, on our Facebook page a little video of a girl uh, making the point about paladins and keeping the like. Yeah, I made a promise once, and you're like, well, <laughs> wait, but you know. Uh, so no, I think that that's but that's again, I think that that kind of circles back to one of our other rules that we have created in the giant three wise DMs rule book is uh, that's a lot of session zero stuff. That's a lot of mm. Does alignment matter in your world as much? And if it does in some ways, make that clear, you know, make that clear. It doesn't have to be punitive, but just make them understand that, oh, you want to be a warlock and you just made the devil with Asmodeus? Cool. Uh, here's where your soul's going to go, right? Like, I love that idea. I think that's the whole point of the warlock. Let's play with that. Not everybody obviously is going to. Totally. Yeah, no, the player absolutely has to be on board by, with that. And I have to tell you, you got a wide net to work with in 5e. It's like, well, my patron's Cthulhu. Like, great. All right, well, he'll send you a Christmas card, you know? And, like, <laughs> like, or, like really, you could make that. I think the important thing there is with Warlocks is you want to use that patron as much as it works. Is your, is your, like, you know, is your character looking for this? Yes, I'm, like, Spawn, and I've sold my soul to the devil for these amazing powers. Or he's like, get, stop fucking bothering me. If I wanted, I mean, I could just be a wizard and just be paying off my wizard student loans. But circling <laughs> way, way back with, with paladins, I'm happy that they no longer will strip you of your friggin' powers, make you a fighter for mis making one wrong alignment uh, call, uh, depending upon the severity. That was really on the DM. The takeaway I want to throw out here is with this is, as a DM, don't be a line judge with alignment. It is a good tool. It's got value. But you should be, as you're running a game, like, hmm, I don't really know if that fits. And particularly mm. in the earlier versions, you had the way the game was structured, it's different now. Your previous, your characters had a license to kill. And that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do two things. Kill and acquire treasure. And you know what? That was just the freaking mantra. You'd run around a dungeon. Oh, there's some stuff in there. It's in our way. Let's wipe them out and take their stuff. Tone, I like that that thought, again, because it becomes less punitive. But the idea that don't be a line judge. Don't, don't pull the ball back in the middle of a game because your paladin decided to really mercilessly murder somebody that the party has been just like, you know what? Fuck this dude, right? Um but it is something that in the macro, in the large world, between sessions, it starts to maybe become a question, an issue, a whole other storyline. I mean, what's the cooler storyline going back to our, our most ultimate lawful good character ever created in the history of all characters, Captain America? What's a cooler story than Cap losing his fucking shield, becoming no man, and having to come back and reclaim his Captain America stuff and save the whole goddamn years? Yeah, that's an awesome story. I want to play you through that, right? Yeah, and I so here's the thing, and when we talk about RPG Mythbusters, yeah, alignment doesn't matter. Here are my two arguments for why alignment does matter or should matter. One is like I said a minute ago. I do feel like you should understand this aspect of your character. You should understand yeah. how does your character feel about rules and how does your character feel about good and bad? Yeah. You know, you should understand, does the character feel uncomfortable when they're following rules or do they feel uncomfortable breaking rules? Do they get annoyed at people following rules? Do they get annoyed at people breaking rules? 
And, you know, do they do good for the sake of doing good because they think that's the right thing to do? Or do they do good just because that's eh, more convenient, keeps them out of trouble, neutral? Or do they do what they want to do regardless of what's good because they care more about themselves, which to me is on that evil spectrum. Wow. The other side, the other way alignment is useful is I think it does create a lot of interesting story and quest opportunities. Like, on the one hand, you don't want to be nagging your paladin about their alignment every day. <laughs> on the other hand... Have you tithed? Mm. <laughs> yeah. just on his shoulder all the time all the, like, all the is time that really where you're gonna go sir it is one of those really? details that adds to the character though it adds character for, you know it adds it adds very similitude to the character that you got to go do this thing you know those things kind of de can deepen your world a bit and you know the idea that okay the paladin did something against their alignment and now they've lost their powers until they go on a redemption quest the whole party has to help them with can lead to cool quest opportunities but it can also really quickly lead to a lot of annoyed players you know, so those are the two benefits uh, and, and potentially the downside is that alignment is really helpful for helping you understand your character. If you can't answer those questions about how your character feels about walls and good and bad, you don't know your character very well. Like you should know which one they're comfortable with and which one they're not. Like if you can't answer that, you don't know this character. And I just, you know, it's nice to have that deeper world of, well, yeah, you know, if you're acting, if you're not acting the way your deity expects, your deity is going to have words with you about it and maybe make you go do something or he's going to strip you of your power. Like, or she is going to strip you of her, it is going to strip you of your powers. That aspect of things deepens your world building. But I've also been in plenty of games where DMs made it a real pain in the ass and it wasn't fun to play with. So there's always going to be a balance there no matter how important it is. You have to know your character. I think that's a superb point. And I've been in situations where I've talked to players and I've been like, hey, so what are your character's goals, beliefs, and motivations? And they looked at me like I said, can I borrow $500? Don't ask me why. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's a Do you super... have any lime and a shovel? <laughs> yeah, just uh, don't don't ask why. Uh, I feel like alignment is useful. It's a starting point, and you it's like a lot of tools. It's you can use it to entirely build out your character, or it can just be a background footnote. And then at the end of the campaign, you're like, oh, by the way, I was neutral. Good. Do you agree or disagree? Really, that much is is the kind of play you have with that. But it should be used. Alignment ultimately should be used as something to add value to your campaign, not be an endless source of debate. Yeah, and here's I'll give you an example of how it's useful to use because this this came up recently, and we, we brought it up a couple times. We've talked about my lawful neutral samurai battlemaster, but really samurai Jiang Jiang Fei. Jiang Fei was strongly lawful neutral. Jiang yeah. Fei believed he would follow the will of his Lord or the will of heaven because it was the right, that was, that was the right thing to do. And if people got hurt along the way, well, he kind of didn't care much about that. You know, it was most important to do the right lawful thing. Like his idea of what the right thing to do is would be tied very much into a code of laws or a code of orders or a hierarchy from which he was taking orders. And where that comes out, the best way I would describe this is if Zhang's Lord said, this village is not paying their taxes, go burn it down. Jiang would be like, huh, well, they should have paid their taxes and gone and burned the village down. Lawful neutral. Had Jiang been lawful good, that would have put him in a bind. On the one hand, they didn't pay their taxes and they do deserve some punitive action. On the other hand, it's not he, they, they, he might conclude it's not right to burn the village down. Uh, I would say a lawful good character in that situation probably gets everyone out of town and then sets fire to the village, and then maybe maybe if a very lawful good helps them rebuild or gives them some kind of head start. Whereas a lawful neutral character probably just comes in, 
a lawful neutral character maybe comes in and announces the order and starts setting things on fire. And a lawful evil character probably comes in at night when everyone's asleep and sets things on fire. Because uh, that character just wants to make it as easy as possible or they want to enjoy it the most. Now, if you're chaotic good, there's no question in your mind. You're not following this order. It's the wrong thing to do. And you'd, and, and you'd rather tell this lord to piss off anyway. If you're neutral good, you're in a little bit of a quandary because your goodness probably doesn't want to burn down the village. It might be easier to follow the Lord's rules, but it's the kind of thing I imagine a neutral good character probably doesn't do it or they try to find a way to sidestep it. You know what I mean? So like, if you think about that order, how does each alignment kind of react to that order? Lawful neutral probably follows it. Neutral neutral uh, or, or lawful evil certainly follows it. Lawful goods probably conflicted. They either don't follow it or they find a way to follow it that fits their... Yeah, lawful evil would follow it the most because an order of that style from a yeah. shogun or something would be from a lawful evil empire, which most yes. empires would kind of become, right? Because they are, they are focused more on the law of the empire being superseding all other things right well, i think you get complicated like if you break down we would need to get that's another episode yeah but uh, what i'm saying <laughs> is that would be like the lawful evil thing would just be okay yeah we're just gonna do this because this is what we have to do these are the, these are the orders boys let's do it well yeah. a lawful evil character probably takes some kind of pleasure in it or they're doing it for their personal gain well by doing this a lawful evil character is like well great by hurting these people i'm going to advance myself and they take pleasure in that or they take advantage of that um, Which I would again, say, is where I would say that if you look historically, most empires did not appear lawful, did not appear evil to their people or often to the people they were subjugating. It course. gets into some details, of but course, you would because to, very much your perspective. Well, and oftentimes the way they become empires is because they don't just come in and steal everything. They come in, they kick out your, they take over your leaders, well, they start collecting taxes, and they usually make they make your your way yeah. of living better. So you, like, yeah, you become part of the machine. Absolutely. Well, and, it, and the machine tends to improve your life, which is why, because but you don't want to pacify every, every back territory. To my, back to my, my usage, because I think he's a, he's an excellent uh, example of it. But Cap is lawful good all, in all of those situations for my reckoning, but it's very much depending on whose perspective are we looking at? Because America he was there. He was the first Avenger. But when he became Nomad, well, now he's absolutely still that. But do, they now look at him as a criminal. But then all of these other people look at him as their seat. So it's that's very much the, the empire. Of course, that, you know, if I was living in the Galactic Empire, right, which I very well might be, I for some days, I feel like that, right? We're just not aware. We haven't talked but, to a representative like, in a long time. You're not like, oh, God, those stormtroopers, what what, what D-bags all the time. Because, one, you probably don't see a lot of what they're doing. And, two, like, you're living pretty well. So, like, you know, you're worried about, like, oh, I got to get to the – I got to get to my it depends. station to get right. those power. And also, you know, I shouldn't say empires are, are, are never evil because I'm thinking more ancient empires, which mostly – oftentimes improved things when they grew. If you look at like the kind of the 19th century empires, like the British empire, like you get colonialism, colonialism was entirely extractive. Colonialist empires were, well, I mean, they brought, they brought the railroad to India, but they also did, uh, you know, I'm not saying right. all empires are good. I'm saying often they're successful because the people they take over benefit, but right. it's not always the case. There's plenty of evil empires. So, so please don't take me wrong. <laughs> I think that one of the problems you run into with alignment is with problem solving. 
So I'll give you an example that just occurred right now. So Zhang came up with a lawful good solution. And as me as a DM of your campaign, who actually had no problem on how you ran that character, I couldn't have given a shit less unless you were hacking villagers' heads off. Well, he came and up then, with a lawful neutral solution. No, Zhang was I'm saying neutral. <laughs> I know, but you also made an example of lawful good. Okay. How you handle that. And I actually disagreed on your lawful good solution. You're like, really? well, I could have brought them out and I could have then burned the village down. I think a lawful good character goes in there, talks to the people and say, what's going on? Why can't you pay your taxes? How can we pay our taxes? You know, you're, mm-hmm. and maybe you try to bring people together, but this is so subjective. This is my take on it. Of mm. course, I know the world too on the DM. You're a player, you're dealing with my description of this town and your damio, and I have all the facts. So maybe I came up with a different conclusion, a solution. Well, you know, but I think that, that brings up a really great point and it goes back to something we said earlier on here. I think alignment always alignment is not what other people in the world see the character as. It's not even really what the DM sees the character as. The alignment is what you see the character as. And that's why as a DM, when I'm dealing with alignment, I don't usually take the heavy hand of, well, that's against your alignment. I put it back on the player to tell me why this makes sense for this character. Because I think, Tony, I think you can certainly, that's that's absolutely fair. Like, I came up with, okay, maybe a lawful good character does this. You're right. A lawful, maybe a better lawful good way to do it would be to get them out of their problem, make sure they had the money to pay their taxes. Maybe the situation allows that or doesn't. Maybe he knows the daimyo is going to, like, wipe them out if he doesn't do this right away. You know, it's, there can be other complications. The important you, part yeah. is how does the character think about it? That's the, lawful good, uh, the lawful good uh, example that Tony gave is is even better because it's like the David Banner one from the Incredible <laughs> Hulk series, right? He was always doing the best thing no matter what he did, right? But it didn't mean he didn't like run afoul of the of the uh, the authorities and such, you know? Or like Kane from Kung Fu, right? Just walking the land and helping people, you know? <laughs> I think you can absolutely be a lawful good character who many of the populace doesn't like because yeah. they don't understand why you did what you did. Yeah. You know, I think that's totally, in, I think that is totally an in-play outcome. You can do the lawful good right thing and still do the thing that is unpopular because they Again, don't understand. Goes, or, 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 and or it whatever. goes back to what I said earlier, where does this matter in your world, in your game as much um, and then, Thorne, like you said, how do you uh, interpret that? But, like, for instance, in Storm Kings, which we just talked about, Tony, I don't think he really cared very much about alignment unless you, we were doing absolutely <laughs> just, like, atrocious atrocities. And then maybe it might be like, hey, what's that on your sheet kind of thing? But your world, like, you didn't really care about the alignment, right? You know, once upon a time, many years ago, I said, what exactly? I was having this debate with my with my other nerdy friends. And I'm like, so what's an example of, like, can I really ever be truly out of alignment? Because if I did something, then it happened. And my friend came back to me, and she's like, well, what if I killed a baby? I would absolutely never do that. I would never walk up to somebody's stroller and go, oh, nice baby, and throw that over the railing at the mall. You know, when you're on the second floor. So you got me there. There are some hard guidelines. And that's mm. what it should be. But the important thing with this, we're giving out the takeaways here, is I come back to starting at session zero and throughout your campaign, the question that should be asked by the player and the DM is, is your character interesting? And I feel like this could be a tool to help you get there. Mm. Yeah, I... I... You know, I think that's the best way to say it almost. You know, alignment is a tool for understanding your character. And I feel like it's, 
when you need to make a tough character decision, it is one of the things that should factor into it. You know, my character feels this way about the rules and, and my character feels this way about good versus evil and selfishness versus the, the, the greater good. So how does that help me think of how my character reacts to this situation? I, uh, I will bring back, you talked about Zhang, so I'll bring up, <clears throat> because Roderick had the same alignment. I, was, I listed myself as lawful neutral uh, because my lawfulness came from nobility royalty uh the the you believe in your place in the world that and and the law of of the way in which i was raised in nobility and this is the way that we are in civilization stuff but i was neutral because i didn't give a fuck about people right except (laughs) except for uh wilhelmina my twin sister where those points were when if something was going to happen with that, that was where my hard line would be, like Tony was just saying, where like you draw that hard line. But that, again, is coming from me, not coming from Tony and going like, okay, well, what's that's not quite uh, the, the way that you're supposed to do things. you know. So it was very much informing my character as to, okay, where are some of my hard lines? Like, for instance, my real hard line for grasping the Ring of Winters that I had gotten, I had always said, like, I'm not putting it on unless Wilhelmina drops. Like, if she, if something dropped her, at that point, all bets would have been off. I would have claimed that power and just unleashed horrible atrocities upon so, Because that was part of my lawfulness and goodness, but that's not a goodness about the rest of people. That was a goodness about my twin. Well, yeah, right? The, sp- the huge spoiler I'm now going to get the cats out of the bag because you quartered me with the wish. Uh, what was going to happen in my game was Wilhelmina was going to channel the Raven Queen, Queen to save you, and she was going to die and break right. your curse. And then Rasmus was going to wish her back to life. And that's a scene what? that I wrote. Oh, that was- and, <laughs> and I had this whole what a roller coaster. Yeah, but I want I, really, I want to say this now that I it's that um, <laughs> the cats out of the bag. I appreciated that you trusted me as the DM to, to see where this was going to go, and you came up with a solution, and I didn't want to force anything, so that's all fine. I had this seed plan where she was going into heaven, and she was seeing the whole afterlife and the universe and the cosmos and all its timelines and how they all tie together, and then this wish was gonna, this angel was going to pull up on her like a cop when she's speeding and be like, no, you're going back to Earth. You're taking up my time. This is annoying. I got 19 more stops. And then she gets tossed back in her body. I, I wrote that whole that whole thing out. That's, that's uh, hilarious. That's that's a, that would have been a good one. That's a good point. I'm going to use this. I'll try to make it as short as possible. But you made the point, and I think we've kind of said it uh, in other ways this episode. We've said it tons of times in other episodes about trust your DM. Like, to trust enough that they – are are rooting for you that they're rooting for a great story that they're like the biggest fans of the of the heroes right um so a character in the season uh campaign two of critical role is ford um who is this half-orc warlock he is his patron is in in thorin's uh mind he is this like kind of great old one like leviathan type creature right Uh, who lives under the sea and has been, you come to find out, has been chained. But meanwhile, this warlock, who is really enjoying these powers that he's getting, is starting to be in communication with this thing, and this thing wants him and other uh, warlocks, you find out, to free it, right? And in essence, leash Ukatoa onto the world, like 
much like we're doing in the Woodstock Wanderers, right? But part of the um, part of the character development is that this character Ford decides that this is not a good idea. This is like I can't do this for the sake of my own power, and actually changes through this whole. He throws his his hex blade into this lava. It destroys the pact with his patron. He then loses powers because of that. Trust the DM to take him through it, and then turns into a paladin of this other god who has said, I can help save you kind of thing, and lifts him up so that he becomes this warlock paladin. But again, kind of what we were talking about, but trusted the DM and the story enough to allow this awesome story to, to interplay between alignment and you know what you think about the world and what's important uh, that turned into this amazing character development story. Yeah. Gotta trust the DM. Yeah, so it's very much in in, Orlary. in Orlary. never trust the DM. Oh, no, never. Never. <laughs> it's hard to follow both. <laughs> it's hard to do that in Woodstock when you have one character who the impulse character uh, Bonnie has decided that she has now just made this pact with a great old one, and the interplay of the party is a uh, friction is a good uh, I think it's a good <laughs> term for it. <laughs> the, the, the party is not patient with her life choices. We can say it that way. <laughs> well, let's just say you know we're going in a different direction than I think that her patron. You know, <laughs> he he's kind of like another one of these hostile takeover kind of ideas. And mm. no, 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 no. Strahd's the hostile takeover. The patrons, you know, that it, theoretically, if it was woken up, if it was time for it to wake up, would destroy it's the world is its egg. It would pop out of it. Yeah. And, no, destroy the, the the world will be destroyed like the shell of an egg is destroyed when the chick hatches. Or well, a, you know, octopus monstrosity. But as I made the point, and this goes into alignment, and Beam, who is uh, just for uh, sake of argument here, is actually neutral good was how I originally envisioned mm -hmm. him uh, because goodness was was really the point, not yeah. anything else, you know, um, because he follows a sun god. Very Buddha esque. I mean, he's. Uh... I literally, well, as I've said, I literally kind of took the, the origin story of the Buddha, and I was like, I can make a dragon board out of this. Uh, <laughs> no disrespect to uh, to Siddhartha. I'm surprised he's not named but, Siddhartha. Right, that would be a little <laughs> too much. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to be respectful of it. But he has started to make the point because of his own communion with with his God that Gadanathwa, this great old one, where the world is its egg, is not in alignment terms good or evil it just it's a it's it's like saying the storm is good or evil or or gravity is good it's not it's a force of nature unto itself it just seems to have this uh, level of intelligence to it uh so it kind of pulls into this you know because we've learned that gavanathwa not only could destroy the world but also has helped to kind of create the world so it, you have this this pull between and you have a, a warlock that has decided that this thing is its patron and that's not necessarily good or evil it's again <laughs> if you say how so. does it play out you know so well i mean what what i hopefully you're all gathering is that you know like the world was Godanoth was egg exactly uh and, exactly. and yeah Godanoth was the 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 immense growth 
power that it puts forth is what has driven the world to develop the way it has. Yeah. And there's other parts of the world where that's, uh, you know, one part of the world is covered with immense verdant forests. Another part of the world is in an oddly odd state of perpetual warfare. We and haven't delved into that. And through that, that you, through your explaining that, and as you've said, you know, if you want people to understand something, repeat it several times. Yeah. And you've kind of repeated that. And then I started to try to add to that conversation through my role play to start throwing those questions out as the voice of like, wait, 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 who's our real enemy kind of feel? It's not this thing. You know, your enemy is not nature. Your enemy is who is trying to exploit it for their own gains, which is real evil. Right. Yeah. I mean, eventually it's and I try to, you know, and as I try to do in anything I make, I try to make a thing where it makes sense from the point of view of all the parties. Yeah. God and Athwa will one day destroy the world. He, it has it, a, a child has to be born. It has the to time. Yeah. It, eventually, time. You know, there, there will come a time when it has to break out of the world. So from a certain point of view, you could be living on the world and be like, especially if you're an immortal elf, you're like, I got to get the fuck out. Who cares what happens to the rest of this? The rest of this is doomed. I got to get out. So the Malbion's deal is he is harvesting. He's harvesting all the power he can. And yeah, God and Arthur will break yeah. out, but he'll be out. He'll yeah, be the evil is when you're, not that the delivery will happen, but you don't need to induce it early. That's, That's the thing. <laughs> he's eating it up. So, 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 so that is the thing. The tension there is you can, the Malbion, you can make an argument that the Malbion is making a totally reasonable decision that, look, this world's going to be destroyed eventually anyway. It's just going to happen a little sooner, and I'm going to, I'm going to be safe, and I'm, going to, and I'm going to power up. Strahd is making the argument that, look, I can stop that from ever happening. Yeah. You know, natural or unnatural as it may be, I can make sure it never happens. You just got to come, let me do it. You know, the Gadanathwa is hungry, taking food when it gets offered food. You know, it has, a, has, has some warlocks running around doing you don't know what. You know, but God and Othwell is going to wake up eventually anyway. You know, is this the time? Are the stars right? Is this the time it's supposed to wake up or isn't it? To God and Othwell, it doesn't really matter other than, you know, is it time? So Yeah, I, I feel like that argument is kind of like the dingo that just ate your baby isn't evil. Well, no one cares, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but think there's there's a lot of different end states there, right? If God and Othwell is going to wake up eventually and it's 10,000 years from now, well, maybe everyone could be off this planet by then. You know, if God and Arthur's God, I'll, I'll be wishing but he's fed up to now and no one can get out of the way in this one dude benefits. Well, that's evil. Yeah, sure. But you understand it from that dude's point of view, <laughs> you know, we're all going to end up in Jotunheim. That's where I'm taking the party. But mm, don't be spoiled. Okay, I'm ready for that. Yeah, well, then don't. Oh, Thorin, then you can DM Storm King's Thunder. We can see what it really looks like. No, no, we work in Jotunheim, <laughs> but you know, that's where my character wants his vacation home, and you can all come with me when I wish to escape this madness. Nice, um, we're going to all visit the Maelstrom. Nice. You, you know, certain like, aspects oh, of your character no, haven't I, transferred over. You sure that wish has? Um, I'm quite positive. <laughs> I, had that way, I had that before I actually entered... Uh, since uh, Storms King's Thunder, it even started. He came over, but maybe you'll find the remnants of that wish in that in that in that uh, keep you guys haven't gotten back to yet. Oh no! I think the important <laughs> thing here is to use alignments as like a hook. Just don't force it. You know, you, you could throw a gen. These are easy. Like you don't have to go crazy. Like this person's lawful neutral. This person's chaotic good. But hey, the village is in danger, or uh, this this group of individuals are being threatened. And here's a hook. And if you don't want to take it, fine. But you know what? One of the problems with being an evil player is you don't – stupid evil players don't take all the quests. They miss out. And they don't mm. grow in power. I mean that's the flip side, right? We've talked about how the DM shouldn't force alignment. But how many players say, yeah, I'm chaotic good. I don't need to do these things. Or I'm chaotic evil. 
uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go burn the bar down, and it ruins. Like you said, it's chaotic, stupid, right? It it ruins the adventure. No one has fun. You know, your alignment needs to inform how you play, not define it. And your character has to have other goals beyond their alignment. Well, and you don't get to use, as Matt Colville uh, calls it, the wang rod defense. You know, <laughs> that's what my character would do, or that's what my alignment says. That's just being a douche. Um, you know, again, using it to inform, not using it to to uh, to delineate or... or um, mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't enforce its own will. You know, it's 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 part of the soil that is helping you to to create something. Yeah, yeah actually, that's very well said. Captain America has very specific goals and ideals and things that drive his motivations. He's not like I am lawful good and I believe in law and order and the balance yes. of the universe. And both of those things, both of those, the 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 goals that he has are both lawful and good. So if he then, it's like I said with the paladins, because Cap is a paladin, right? In all in all respects, um, as long as his goals remain, as long as he is, uh, as long as he is being true to his oath as a paladin, it does not matter what the alignment says in in terms of what the king thinks. It matters as to what his oath is, and that's yeah, because they are still both lawful and good. And that's kind Which, of the thing. Could you make the argument then, in this way, the way that I'm kind of putting it out here with Cap, could you make that argument? You can make that argument about Superman all day long, but could you make that argument about Batman? He is, in some respects, a lawful good character. In almost all respects, right? Mm, but he's got a good the way he does it, he's not chaotic because his his laws that he has created are are sacrosanct. He does have his, I, I, and that is really he where this like gets Dexter level, uh, you know, oath. And you know, here's here's that's a great question, but here's the thing we have to keep in mind with these kinds of questions. Many many great works of philosophy have been written to explore that exact question. Mm. And it's not something you can answer in a in an hour conversation or in yeah. a D&D character, which is why I think one of the most important aspects of making alignment important is understanding that it always has to come from the character's point of view because the character is making the decision. So we can never – so we have conversation – we've had this conversation. What is lawful good to me is maybe not lawful good to Tony. And here's the trick. It doesn't really matter what's lawful good to the DM. What matters is can the player tell you why the character feels this way about it? And that's all that really matters. Now, when we had the conversation about Zhang, I, had a, we, I posted a question online about Zhang. What alignment would you make this um, this druid who can shapeshift and is a, and eats people oh, when he shapeshifts? Hannibal, Hannibal, I'm sorry. That's Hannibal, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Duh. So Hannibal, the cannibal druid, yeah, yeah, moon druid, he, he, he eats people. He thinks people, they're just part of the ecosystem. You know, they threatened his family. Uh, they attacked him. All right, that's a meal. Mm, yum. Nature eats things. Uh, and one of the comments that came back was that, and I was asking, you know, from his point of view, he probably considers himself chaotic good. He's certainly chaotic. He's not lawful. He's not, oh, yeah, he's, he, he's uncomfortable being pushed around by walls. He is a chaotic character. But he probably considers what he does good and right. Uh-huh. You know, I think I made him chaotic neutral in the end because I had kind of run it by kind of the, the, the world at large to see what they said. And one person came back and said, no, that's chaotic evil because moral relativism is, quote unquote, the devil. He is he is a cannibal. Cannibalism is evil. 
period. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's a useful uh, way to, to define characters. I disagree yeah. with that strongly, and I'll tell you why. Because, okay, so you're in a battle, you're in a scenario, you guys are in the woods, mercenaries jump out, they're like your money or your life, and you roll them, and, you know, because you're this equivalency of the frontier situation, you're not going to knock them out, tie them up, take them back, bring them to prison, and have them tried. Because then if you were even able to do that, if you weren't two weeks away from town, they just hang them anyway. So what's the effing point? So you've killed these guys. You eat them. So you didn't let it go to waste. Does that necessarily make you evil? I don't think so. However, if your character's just fucking running around and eating people because he's a psycho, then yeah, no, that's very your evil. Yeah. Because the way in which Hannibal was played, for my money, again, because alignment is not something punitive and it's not something that I am force upon the world it's something that informs a character that plays in the world so the way hannibal went about it he very much was a chaotic neutral to even beginning chaotic good character because when faced with real atrocity not the food chain the food chain is not an atrocity the food chain is not what it is when he's a bear there are plenty of bears that will eat a person in the fucking Adirondack or the, the Kodiak. He's right? not going to eat a bear as a bear. This is important. He's going to eat a person as a bear. Right. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> um, but he very much played it. But did he like how the people were being treated under the yoke of uh, the Zaporan regime, the, the Aurelian kingdom? No, he didn't yeah, like yeah. that. Did he... Uh, stand up for his, what he looked on as his tribe as he started to kind of make connection with humans again. No, he absolutely did. So he well, had no, he tenants. did stand up for his tribe. He did, that's what I'm saying. But like, because he was then, his tribe had been originally massacred and he was left in the wild to kind of become feral. Yeah. Now his new adventuring party that he's just been shoved together as gladiators in a pit fighting thing for a slaving a kingdom that's well, those people are now his new tribe, and he was very true to them. So, you know, and he, you know, so yeah, that's absolutely not a chaotic evil character but, at and, all. And I, I totally agree. I would actually, I actually almost made him chaotic good. Yeah. Like, he is chaotic neutral in part because his view of goodness is warped because of trauma. And he started as chaotic neutral, moving yeah. towards a chaotic good well, because of the choices you begin to He would have considered himself chaotic survivalist, kind of chaotic good, but with a focus <laughs> on, well, it's a rough world out here. Chaotic you know, bear's It's a hard knock. Yeah. Right? Or chaotic Furio, kind of Furiosa. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like, you know, kind of Mad Max. Like, look, that's just what I got to do to survive in this world. Would have been a little exactly. bit of that. Exactly. Um, so chaotic neutral, chaotic good. I think the real, my real point there is that, you know, each of us can interpret these things differently. Me and Tony have absolutely had things where I'm like, yeah, that's God of control. He's like, that's evil. You know, it's, it's, it happens, but it really doesn't matter what the DM thinks that alignment, that, that action is. It, all that really matters is how does the player say that character feels about that, about that action. And if the player can make, can tell me why that character feels that way, I think you got to roll with what the player says because it is their character. Yeah. And, I think it is totally, I think alignment is totally internal to the character with the caveat of if the character is worshiping deities, they're being judged in a way by a third party that may not agree with their point of view. And that's a different thing that the DM does run, but it's a disagreement and you should present it as, well, he doesn't see, you know, the, the, you know your God doesn't see that that way because of this and introduce the conflict. Yeah. Uh, and that certainly doesn't mean like your local, uh, kingdom or your knights or whoever may have something to say about like hey so this guy went missing oh and you ate him he might have they may have some questions for you 
Yes. But, you know, that really isn't about his alignment as much as about their authority, how they're running the fiefdom or their lordship or however the, the campaign world operates. I mean, yeah, just because Yang has, or just because uh, just because Hannibal considers himself chaotic good doesn't mean Hannibal has a right to bitch or, or that doesn't mean that I have a right to bitch when the local paladins decide to come wipe out the cannibal, the other, the man eating direwolf in the area. Right. It's like, yeah, he did that there. They have a right to see it that way, too. That doesn't, doesn't protect they may from throw it. out words like public menace. I don't know. Crazy stuff. <laughs> All these ugly, ugly words. So uh, we've been going on about this for a while, and I think it's probably time for us to get the final thoughts. Why don't we wrap up what you know, final thoughts? What does what do the alignments briefly, if you can, mean to you? And how do you really DM them at the table? I most certainly I don't want to go through all nine of them. My head will explode. Uh, I would need like, you know, some uh, some coffee and maybe an ice pack. <laughs> but uh, when you're using alignment, I would say uh, building your character can certainly lead to that character becoming more interesting. Um, as a DM, don't feel trapped or obligated to look at every character interaction and, and judge that in terms of their alignment, because that's just going to go nowhere fast. Uh, and let alignment be an asset to your game uh, and not a point of frustration. I mean, ultimately, uh, you want your characters to be interesting. You want people to enjoy the role play. And it's, it's back in the day. Yeah, the DM had to really lay down some hard rules with it in 5e. Not so much. In fact, not really at all, unless you're really you know, going out of bounds with something. Yeah, that was a good way to put it. So I'm going to kind of piggyback on it. So I think it helps to make the, I absolutely, I love alignment partly because again, like I said in the beginning, there's really nothing more D&D than alignment. And they're really, I, I mean, <laughs> I like I said, even, even to the D20, right? Because there are plenty of systems that use a D20 and don't have alignment. But anytime when you are making a character if you ask questions that that character has to answer, it makes it more interesting. So I'm Steve and I have a sword and I want to kill things is kind of flat. Okay, why does Steve want to kill things? You just asked a question that they have to answer, which makes that character more interesting. So I think alignment, like Tony just said, is an excellent tool for that because it forces you to say, how do you think about the world? But with that, it is not... And I think I'm going to use this correctly, Thorne, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to say it's more proscriptive than, uh, it's more descriptive than proscriptive. It does right, not, I think. it is not um, telling you about how, what you can and can't do. It's you telling the world what you can and can't do. I go back to the Steve Rogers thing where, you know, Cap's whether he was on the side of the law or not, he was always lawful and always good because of the goals, because of his oath. If it is something that is important to you in your world, if you want to uh, use it to enforce, if you want to do Thorin's thing where your infernal patron, that matters, where your paladin, and that matters, then deal with that in your session zero. Explain, this matters. So if you want to play a paladin, cool. Here are the thing, here are the here's how you stay in your lane. Because don't make it punitive is my last point. Don't just use it as a cudgel to slam your player in the jaw when they decide to do something and like they're just having a good time and you just took a great session and just flushed it down the john. 
So yeah, because that is one of the things. Like if you use alignment poorly, you can immediately change the tone of a session. As soon as as soon as you start using alignment to tell a player what they have to do, or that hey, here's what I'm going to punish you, the players don't like that. That immediately changes yeah. the tone of your session. Like Tony said, don't be a line judge, right? <laughs> don't pull the ball back like after the cool play. Like don't be that dickhead. You I know, was, uh, I was at, alignment was off sides on the paladin. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's Bring it back. Pretty, You're throwing yeah. the fucking yellow flag. Like no, keep it in your pocket. We uh, were in a first gaming session back in the day, and the DM was handing out bonus XP at the end of the session. The session went pretty good. And certain, like it would, they, the characters had like very close at this point to being at getting to level two, and the DM didn't award certain characters the they gave them differing experience amounts. So some characters got leveled and some didn't, and that did not go over well. You, you've told this repeatedly. I wasn't the DM, was I? No. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I could have done that sort of no, thing. No, no, no. <laughs> it was one of my earliest. I feel like I might have done that sort of thing. <laughs> but it was. <laughs> experimenting it was his experimental face yeah you got to make the mistakes to know their mistakes right so my final thoughts i uh i'm actually a as much as there is a movement against alignment here uh we're gonna have to come back and do our myth busted or or, or approved i forgot to have you guys do that so we'll we'll make that a final question in a second here but as much as uh the state of play or the kind of the 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 main feelings run against alignment i'm actually a really big fan of the way dnd alignment works for the reasons we've said they're not simple. We're not all going to agree with what makes lawful good or lawful neutral or lawful evil or any of them. But they're really understanding how does this character feel about following the rules or fitting in, or about having a harmonious environment around them. How does this, you know, harmonious with the other characters involved or NPCs? Uh, how does this player feel about good and bad, about other people being hurt to get the, what they want, uh, about other people being hurt unjustly or justly? Those things are important to defining your character. So I do think it's really important to understand that about a character, whether you like alignment or not. Like, I don't care what you call it, but it should matter. There should be something where you can say, okay, this character feels this way about being told what to do by, by a guard, by a town guard. This character feels this way about paying taxes. You know, those things should make some internal sense from an alignment, from a, from, from a, that alignment point of view. Having said that, you know, you do have to be careful how you DM them. You don't want to, you don't want to use them as a cudgel. You don't want to make people feel punished. On the other hand, they can make for interesting stories. I mean, the paladin who has to his mind followed his alignment, but to his deity's mind has not. So he loses his, his powers Or maybe it's, maybe it's not at the deity level. Maybe it's at the order level. Maybe the paladin did what the paladin thought was right. And, and the paladin's order drums him out because they disagree. Those are interesting story beats to hit so long as the player is is on board with it and okay with it. So I do think there's a place for them both from the player's point of view and from the DM's point of view. Where we need to be careful is traditionally, and this goes back to kind of early editions, there's there was the mechanic in first and second edition of the DM saying, well, you violated your alignment, you lose 500 XP. And Tony's right. You know, it, it's, you know, do you become worse as a swordsman because you decided to, you know, steal that apple? No. You don't. You shouldn't lose XP. But it's one thing to say like a paladin does because, okay, maybe their god can yank some of their power. But those things weren't really helpful. What is helpful and and the way I try to approach it is making players talk to you, talk about why their character does a thing from that internal point of view of their alignment. So you don't need to match as a DM. I'm just going to hold you true to, okay. I don't necessarily understand how that's lawful good. Tell me, you know, what is your, what is your character's logic? And so long as you can do that, we're good. You know, if we can't do that, 
I, you're, we're probably still good, but I'm, I'm going to point it out. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe some people are going to look at your character differently in the world because of that. But it's going to come from your point of view of, OK, what what is what is your character's alignment from your character's point of view? And I think that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Having said all that, let's pass our final judgment here. Uh, alignment doesn't matter. Myth busted, plausible or uh, upheld. I think you could be in a situation where it does not matter, but I think it should you just shouldn't make a federal case out of every decision every player makes. Dave? Uh, the myth is busted uh, because it does matter. But as Tony just said, that just like alignment is very <laughs> much up to your interpretation of it, you know, but it's absolutely, it's a cornerstone of D&D and it's fun. So I'm also going to say busted. And the reason is this. I'm going to tell you, your character has an alignment, whether you admit alignment exists or not. (laughs) It's one of those, like, you don't need to believe in alignment for alignment to believe in you. Right. It's gravity. Yeah, your character feels a way. Like, they have, there there is a set of processes that are using to make their decisions. You are playing in alignment, most likely, if you're playing in character and not even realizing it. So, it does matter, but at the same time, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be as as Dave was saying. It should be descriptive, not proscriptive, and it should be a tool for you to figure out how does this character react to things. Um, and if you think you don't have an alignment, it's probably chaotic evil. Because I, I think the Joker probably didn't think he had an alignment. <laughs> <either>. <laughs> neutral. I just well, do things. I... <laughs> Riffs had the alignment of aberrant, which was you didn't care about anything. At least that's how we talked about it. Tony. No, you're thinking about diabolic. Aberrant was actually really cool. That was your a your villain with principles. See, now that's that is interesting. So that's almost like being lawful evil with good tendencies. It was kind of like the the best example I got is it was uh, 1990s Venom. This guy was evil. He eats yeah. someone's face. He doesn't. He came into Peter's house. He's like, I'm gonna threaten you. I would never touch Aunt May. What am I, a sicko? I wouldn't hurt her. Come on, man. We live that's in a society. Yeah, no, Venom is a good one to try yeah. to. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Later, you know, later. If, if people, if you like this episode, I think we'll come back maybe and start doing a what alignment are these characters argument episode or something. So I think that could get interesting, uh, but it is very academic. It is very much a matter get of get the moot. ibuprofen out. It's moot. It's a, they're all moot points, but they are. It is a fun debate. Guys, and this has been a fun debate. It's been, it's been fun. Uh, thanks for joining me for another episode here. Absolutely. Thanks, man. And all of you listening from home, thank you very much for joining us for another episode of Three Wise DMs. Now, this didn't come from a reader question, but it could have. So if you have anything you'd like to hear us talk about, please send it in to threewisedms at gmail.com or go to our website, threewisedms.com, enter it in the What's Your Problem field, or pitch it to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We're very active in all those places. And, you know, we always uh, we, we answer a lot of reader questions in the show. So we'd love to hear your feedback and, and hear what you want to hear us talk about. If you're listening on a podcast platform, please smash that five star rating button. Uh, leave us some leave us a review. Share it with your friends. All that stuff helps us grow. We really appreciate it. And we've been growing great lately. And that's because of you. So thank you all very much for helping us make this show a success. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Three Wise DMs. <laughs>